0: Morning everybody here at the chapel. Great to have you with us. We welcome you. Um, just a couple comments and then we'll have a word of prayer. But if you, if you need any information about the chapel and you're new when you go out the door, just go right to the right. We have a little welcome center there. We'd be happy to give you some more information. And we always have food afterwards. Hang out with us. Talk with us. We'd love to get to know you better. Um, so, so just keep all that in mind. Don't run out too quickly. If you're new here, we'd love to have you hang around. And if you've been here for a while, we'd like you to hang around too, of course. One, uh, one announcement on August the 6th from, uh, nine to one 30, we're going to be having a seminar here entitled keys to good health and wellness. And so you can actually sign up for that today. Right out the door to the right, Um, you can sign up for that Keys to Good Health and Wellness. Uh, And if you have any questions, there will be um, staff out there to talk that through with you. Um, We just came off of a a women's weekend, and I heard things went very, very well there. So ladies, it's good to have you back. And um, I was up at camp with about 12 of our teens this past week up at Camp Calvary. Um, they had to endure listening to me about nine times over the, during the week or something, and they, they survived, but, but um, came back. And so if you see a lot of droopy teenagers, um, tired teenagers, it's because it was a good week spiritually and physically, but it was a tiring week. And, and anyway, it's really wonderful to be back. So again, we welcome you to the chapel, praying that God will do a work in your heart. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll worship together. Father, it is... Uh, It is a great joy to be together again with your people. We thank you, Lord, that we are people of great hope, not because of our own ability, not because of um, things that we think we can do on our own. Rather, it's because that you have come near in the person of Jesus Christ. And um, you have saved us. You're in the process of changing us through the Holy Spirit. And one day... We will bask in your glory forever as your people. And for that, Father, we greatly rejoice. Guide us now, Lord, as we come to worship you. May our hearts be sensitive and open as we sing praises and as we hear your word preached. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are struggling with difficulties circumstantially, physically, relationally. That you would meet them in their pain and in their need and that they would know the wonder of the gospel and the freedom that they can have in following Christ and resting in him. May that be a greater reality for each one of us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
1: Good morning everyone.
2: Would you sing with us? I was buried. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind away? was my tomb. It was my tomb. Till I made
3: I was breathing but not alive. lie All the
2: failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you Till I met you You called my name You called my name
3: Your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that clay, out of the darkness,
2: into your glorious day. Now, your mercy it saved my soul, and now, your mercy has so oh. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of Your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now You call me a citizen
3: of heaven.
2: Of glory, there is a God who
3: saves, one, one who is, is strong, strong and mighty. Freedom is in His name, so open the gates of heaven, lift up a shout of praise. There is a lion roaring,
2: Jesus, the King of glory. Nations bow and mountains shake. Mountains bow mountains shake at the sound of just one name over all Jesus reigns. that again nations bow nations bow mountains shake at the sound of just one
3: shout of praise there is a
2: Unmatching all your wisdom in love and justice,
3: you will reign, and every knee will bow. We bring, we bring our expectations and our hopes, our hope is anchored in your name, in the name of Jesus. We trust the name.
1: this is one church one body we lift our banner
2: Tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they lay.
1: story. God, we praise we praise you, Lord, and we pray to you, you are our Lord, our God, you cross from this life into death, but in so doing, defeated death for eternity in my life. Yes, I die a physical death, but I fall asleep in Christ, and then I rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. God, thank you, you are the King of glory, we worship you this morning. We thank you for the book of Revelation that we'll hear from again. And as we finish it off, Lord, it is an incredible book with a lot of incredible promises and a lot of incredible reminders to your church, both ancient and modern, of what it means to be a follower of Christ. So as we hear from Pastor Doug this morning, may you be glorified in our hearts as we listen, as we learn, as we apply. And be with Pastor Doug, of course, too, as he speaks to us. Thank you for this time of worship. We give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated.
0: All right, children five years of age up to third grade can be dismissed for junior church at this time. Um, I got to watch myself. Like on that last song, I, I, I feel like I'm singing too loud. I got I to save my voice a little bit, Carm. But isn't that wonderful? We get to do that for all eternity. Not just that, but that's a me. I mean, yeah, that's really anyway. Thank you, worship team, for leading us through that. Well, if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Revelation chapter three. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 22 and our time together uh, this morning, finishing up on the series on the seven churches of Revelation. Next week, uh, James will be leading us out uh, again on a series from the book of Proverbs, and we'll be doing that for six to eight weeks, different topics from the book of Proverbs, and that will kind of run us into the fall. So that's kind of where things are going. All right, so this dates me a little bit, and maybe it dates you a little bit too, so you don't have to admit to this. How many of you remember the old E.F. Hutton commercial? Do you remember that? Yeah. So I actually went back and looked at some of the uh, clips from it last night. 70s and 80s. I think it kind of phased out in the 80s. I don't remember exactly. It was kind of funny to watch the way people were dressed and all. But that was me. So, hey, what can I say? But if you have never heard of EF Hutton, let me tell you about it. So apparently a broker, and I don't know if they're even still in business. They probably are, but whatever. What would happen is two guys would be talking together and one guy would say, so, you know, I've made some business decisions and my broker told me this. What does your broker think? Well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And when E.F. Hutton speaks, yeah, and then everybody could be on a golf course, ones with a little girl in in a schoolroom, and all the kids, everybody just completely freezes, you know, and they're going like this. Because if E.F. Hutton is speaking, man, you ought to be listening to this thing, right? So you kind of remember that? All right, if you haven't, go back and YouTube it. You can can see the commercials yourself. So as much as that is true for a broker in America in the 70s and 80s, how much more when you come to a book where God himself speaks to us? Notice, Notice how the text begins. There's a divine appeal both at the beginning and at the end of each one of these seven letters. And we find it here again. So let me just read that. Because we've seen this all the way through. The kind of You've picked up on this patterning. But the text begins to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? And so this angel who represents the church as a whole... These are the words of him who holds the seven, um, you know, that's, that's a, you know what, Sardis is a really good church, but I think I'm going to do Laodicea instead, verse 14. <laughs> sorry about that. You're going like, we're in a heap of trouble because if he started at the beginning of chapter three and it's going to go away, it won't be, sorry, let me try it again. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. That's a mouthful. Jesus Christ is telling John, this is complete dictation. I want you to write down this exactly the way I tell you. The church I grew up in, um, we would have a couple individuals that would say amen all the time through. I mean, we say amen here too, but I just remember in that church growing up, we had one guy that would just go, he could do it so well, amen. It's just really boisterous and so forth. And I wondered as a kid sometimes, like, what does that even mean? I mean, I, I kind of knew he was saying like, it was a thumbs up. I kind of recognized that. But, but literally the word amen means let it be. So be it. So, so somebody says something, you're going like, let that happen. This text says Jesus is the amen. And when Jesus says, so be it, guess what happens? <laughs> that thing happens. So Jesus is describing himself to the church of Laodicea, and he's saying, I have the power to do anything. I am the great Amen. The faithful and true witness. What if this was a fairy tale? What if this was just to try to make you feel good? Kind of a psychological crutch? Eh, whatever. Oh, no. Jesus says, whatever I tell you, it's true. I can do anything. I'm completely reliable when I speak. And just to make it really clear, I'm the creator and you're the the created. He hasn't said anything else yet. He's writing to this church of Laodicea. Now, it's one thing when E.F. Hutton speaks. It's something else when Jesus Christ speaks. And then remember I said it has almost like a sandwich effect? Look at verse, verse 22. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is speaking. And he says, this is who I am. Listen to me. Works through the whole text, gets to the end. And the text says, listen to the Spirit who is also speaking to you from the inside as you hear these words from the outside. Folks, that's much better than E. F. Hutton, isn't it? All the way through the book, you find Jesus Christ and the Spirit speaking to us. And I was thinking about it: seven churches. If you can kind of see them up there and uh, how they're kind of grouped together, what, what what interests me is there are times, and 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 if. If, this, if, you were my, if, you, if you were taking a seminary class or a high, or college class with me and I was teaching through the book of Revelation, here would be my first assignment, okay? I would say, okay, everybody over in this section, you're the church of Ephesus for the entire semester. You know, you're the church of Smyrna, Sardis. Go, go right through the whole thing. And what I would ask you all the way through is master the church, and all the way through the book of Revelation, I would stop from time to time and say, Hey, Philadelphia, how you guys and gals doing over there? Or you, you see, because the beauty of this, of this, of the book of Revelation, it doesn't matter where people find themselves. Christ is always the answer. So if you find a church that is truth bound, but has lost its love, Christ is the answer. If if you find churches that have drifted into immorality and and tolerance for things they should not, they're lovers, but the truth has kind of gone by the wayside. Christ and who he is is the answer. If you're completely discouraged, you're under it. It's hard. You don't know if you're going to make it through. You're trying to be faithful. Christ is the answer. If you're dead, Christ is the answer. And when we come to this church, if if you're apathetic spiritually, Christ is the answer. I mean, it's just, that's, that's the book. We know that from like the whole Bible, but, but, but it just is repeated for us again and again in this passage as God deals with these matters. So what I want to do, um, you can see here, this picture there on the left is, uh, some ancient Laodiceans. Uh, no, so that was a trip that we had made a couple of years ago, but it really is an amazing site. They, they, they've done a lot of excavation there in Laodicea, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool, actually, to, to go through there. Um, I, I was telling somebody here, we, we need to set up a church trip and go over, hit Turkey and Greece and Rome. Would, would, that, would that be good? Okay, all right. I, stay on me on it, because I'd love to do it. It'd, it'd be wonderful. Anyway, I, sorry, that was just a sales pitch, but whatever. Okay, what I want to look at is two things. First of all, the problem, and then the solution that Jesus gives us in this text. First of all, the problem, let's read about it here in verse 15. Text says, I know your deeds. That, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? <laughs> Depends upon what's going on, right? But, but we can't hide from God. Um, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit, and perhaps your version even says to vomit you out of my mouth. Because it's the same word, whether somebody is vomiting or spitting. Now, I have to tell you the way I heard this preached as a kid um, and I'm sure the person was well well-meaning, but it was completely false. It was completely wrong. Okay, this is how I heard this preached when I was a kid. You know what? God wants you either hot or cold. He wants you to either be completely consumed and obsessed with Him and on fire for Him, or He would like you to just be about as cold and pagan as you can possibly be don 't work that middle ground man, either completely walk away from him or be passionate about him really? Where do you find anywhere else in the New Testament where that 's the reasoning now i don't think that's what 's going on here in this area um, in, in, in matter of fact on the map i 'll just share i 'll try not to get too mappy here but but yeah, You know what? I don't have it. It's not. It is actually. It's barely here on the map. Forget it. I'll just explain it to you. Um, so not too far from Laodicea was another city that we know of as Colossae that Paul, Paul wrote a book to. And then on the other side was a place called Hierapolis. And in Hierapolis, you can go and actually visit there today. They have hot springs. And um, it is... Beautiful. You can go into the water and you relax. Well, that goes way back into antiquity. People would go to Hierapolis if they had sicknesses and they would just kind of hang out in the hot water. And there was calcium. You can see there on the left, that left picture. It's all white from calcium and so forth and all the rich min- minerals within. So you had the hot baths that were nearby. And on the other hand, if you go to Colossae, you have these beautiful uh, this, this not, not a river, but I guess a creek, a big creek that goes through with just fresh water right from the mountains. And, and it's not like Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to be like really spiritual or just as pagan as you could be. It doesn't make any sense. What he says is, I, I wish you were like a cold glass of water on a hot summer's day like today. You know what that's like? When you are hot and sweaty and just mowed the lawn, what's the first thing you want? A cold glass, jug that thing down. I wish you were either like that cold glass of water or I wish you would be warm like those pools up in Hierapolis where people could just feel the healing improvement that comes from that hot water. But instead, you're completely lukewarm. And you can actually go if you, when you 're over there, the picture there on the right is, is, is one of the water pipes that goes back thousands of years, and you can see the calcium deposit around it and so, so what happened is the water by the time the people in Laodicea would get it had both calcium in it and it was warm. Do you like warm water on a, cold, on, on a hot water uh, on a hot summer a hot yeah, yeah a hot summer night? no and so he's giving them two options he said you're not healing you're not refreshing you're just tepid when I don't feel good one of the remedies that my wife has passed on to me and I've been doing it for years I don't know why it seems to me I do know why it works it does work honey but it's not easy to go through So, like, if I'm having problems with my throat, she has me get a clove of uh, uh, of uh, garlic and mince it all up, and then I put a little bit of honey on top, and then I'm supposed to swallow the whole thing. I put it in my mouth and go, "You've had those experiences, right?" And I'm thinking, like, I am that close to bringing that stuff back up. Or, or sometimes we have stuff that's in the refrigerator a little bit too long, you know, and you go like, is that liquid edible? And my wife will say, well, try it, honey. Just see. I think it's okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Have you had that feeling? You know, you've done that. It's not just my household. Okay. My wife's a great wife. She lets me make all these jokes, but, 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 but I've honestly, I've had that refrigerator experience. It's funny when you look at me. It's not so funny when it's Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm having that feeling right now like I'm ready to spit you up, to vomit you out of my mouth. That's kind of graphic, isn't it? That's a really strong language. Now, what I want to be really careful about is you could read that and you can say, Jesus just doesn't care about us at all, does he? It's just like, you make me sick. And you're going to find it's the complete opposite of that as we keep reading. But it does show me this. This church, which has become completely apathetic spiritually, they, they would come to church each week. They would sing. They would sing the praise songs. They would do all those kinds of things. And they would walk out and they live their, all, their own life for the rest of the week. And if you ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, I'm a Christian. Absolutely, I'm a Christian. What, what is it that just excites you about life? <laughs> oh, I don't know, the stock market, what I'm doing at work, sports. I love sports on Sunday afternoons or whatever. it would be a whole host of things. And Jesus would be way down the list somewhere. So, when we read about the Laodicean church, we read about the way we are, if not, at least at times in our lives. Don't we all get complacent and apathetic at times? And Jesus is just saying, it's not like, okay, yeah, you're a little, you're apathetic, like, eh, that's all right, like, whatever. Everybody gets their own choice. Jesus says, I'm about ready to upcheck on this one. So he identifies the problem. He goes on to say this um, in verse 16. You say, I am rich. I'm sorry, verse 16, my bad. So because you're a lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about ready to throw you. Okay, so that's that's the problem, the solution. Verse 17 and, and, and following. So Jesus, if you feel like you're ready to upchuck, what are we supposed to do? And here's the solution. And I I, I want you to watch this. I want to read it to you slowly and carefully. Sometimes I don't like the way um, the translations put the grammar together because I think something is missed. The solution is very simply is this. Jesus Christ calls his people to repent of spiritual apathy from affluent self-sufficiency by becoming obsessed with Christ. I want to tell you a little bit something else about Laodicean church. The city of Laodicea was very proud of their wealth. In AD 60, some 30 years before this book was written, this area was known for earthquakes. And there was a major earthquake. A lot of the different towns around Colossae, for instance, were devastated. But Laodicea was kind of like, we can do it on our own kind of a thing. And they, they told the emperor they didn't want any of his money to rebuild. And they completely rebuilt themselves from their own finances. And they took great pride in that. Like, we are Laodicea. We can do it on our own. Sounds like the American way, doesn't it? And so they were known for their wealth. They were known for their banking system. A lot of money would pass in and out of that area. They were known for sheep with wool that was black that they would sell to people all over so they could clothe themselves. So they were known for their wealth and they they, they were known for their textile industry with wool. And they also had a medical school there in Laodicea. And in particular, they had created an eye salve for your eyes to help people that were struggling with eye problems. So if you were looking for a place to settle in Asia Minor, this would be a really good place to settle, especially if you're a doctor or something. You see? Because you go, it's stable financially, good textile industry, medical school right here in our town. That's the group to which he actually speaks. And so listen to his solution here in verse 17 and 18. There's four kind of movements here. First one is found in 17 and 18. Embrace the abundance that is found in Christ dependency alone. Listen to what he says. Verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. In other words... I'm a self-made man financially. You know? I come from a family this way. We are well-to-do. We are affluent. I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. If that's not self-sufficiency, I don't know what is. I made myself I got everything I need. So if you were singing in church one day and this group was leading us, it would not be, he is all I need. It would be, a fluency is all I need. And I've done it on my own. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Do you see what he identifies there? In light of a people that would say, we have wealth, we have plenty of clothing, we have a medical school that deals with your eyes in particular. Look at what Jesus says. What you think, one thing, but in reality, spiritually, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Can you see how that would hit them? Now, what's not always clear, I'm reading from the NIV, is that verse 17 and 18 are one sentence in the Greek. And, and what he says is basically this because you think this about yourself, I am rich, I need nothing, we got it all. When in reality, I'll use all your images from your day, you're spiritually deficient, is kind. Because that's true, I want to counsel you. Do you see how they're connected? Jesus isn't saying, like, you guys, who I want to vomit out of my mouth, what a bunch of losers! I am done with you. No, no. He says, the mere fact that you cannot see your way, the mere fact that you are self-deceived, the mere fact that you are worshiping something other than the true and living God. Jesus says, that doesn't move me away from you. That moves me to you to counsel you because I love you. So you who think this when you're actually like this, hear my counsel. And here it is in verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. This is the purest of all gold. And he's speaking spiritually here. This is not like a cheap gold that's mixed with other kinds of alloys. No, 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 no. This is the purest of all gold. So that you can become rich, we would say, spiritually. And buy from me white clothes to wear. And I don't know if that's a play off the fact that a lot of their clothes would have been black because of the black wool. I don't know for sure. But clearly the idea of white clothes is used throughout Revelation as significant for people who are living out their faith in ways that honor Christ. So, And white clothes to wear. So that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And buy from me salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Jesus says, you're self-deceived, you're in a bad way, and what I'm asking from you is to buy from me. And I had a question for you. Could they afford to buy from Jesus? Well, at one level, what Jesus was offering, you could never pay for. But isn't that the wonder? That God says, the very thing you could never afford on your own, everybody can afford because I offer it. You can buy it from me and anybody that comes to me can have it. Gets to the end of the book of Revelation. And he says, come because it's all free. But what he offers is costly. So he says, buy it from me. But you can You can't say, I don't think I could afford that. Well, it may cost you everything at one level, but everybody can have it. Do you see? So so this very group that is self-deceived, Jesus moves back to them and says, buy of me. Secondly, look at verse 19. Not only should we embrace the abundance found in Christ's dependency alone. And let me explain this too, because you know this. We, We have so many... Godly saints of God in this church. Some of you have been through some really deep, challenging times physically, relationally, circumstantially. And I, I, in, in many ways, when it comes to some of these issues, you should be up here talking, not me, to be honest with you. And, 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 and what I can tell you is these saints of God will tell you I might not have a lot physically, I, I might struggle financially. Um, I, I I might have this issue and that issue, but I have a peace and joy and contentment, which is completely unexplainable, except that it's Jesus Christ that I won't trade for anything else in the world. When we were up at camp, I don't know if some of the teens, remember this one of the testimonies, one of the young ladies gave it we always have testimony times at the end of camp. And I would say this was one of the best testimony times I've ever heard because sometimes testimonies are bragamonies, you know, and this was just, these testimonies were wise. They were robust. They were meaningful. They were Christ centered. Really, really, really good. This, this one young lady is completely paralyzed on the left side. When you see her, she just, she can't move her left arm at all. And, and, she stood up there and shared her testimony. She said, I would never have wished this on myself or anybody. But I would never give it back because of what I've experienced from Christ. Do You remember that, young people? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm up there and, you know, tears are starting to come. You know what I mean? I think to myself, here's a 16-year-old girl. She completely gets it. Jesus says, that's what I offer you. You are deceived. This is your real state. And I say, buy from me. Verse 19. Look what else he says here. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. You know what I know? If you're a child of God, you can't stray far from God. He won't let you. Do you let your little kids do whatever they want in the home? Well, hopefully not. We have something that we call discipline, right? And we deal with them and we we talk to them and and, you know spank them or whatever else you do timeouts or whatever the whatever the whole thing is you know we don't just let little kids do whatever they want to do what what i say is these kids are mine and because i love them i will speak truth into their life sometimes it's hard and i will discipline them if they don't listen because i love them they're my kids that's that's what we do don't we and jesus says i won't let you go if you start tail spinning, I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna deal with you. And I'm gonna call you back to myself again and again and again. Hebrews 12 says, You ought to be happy about that because if you don't have discipline, it means you're not one of God's. God disciplines his children because he loves them. So here's a beautiful image. On the one hand, he says, I'm just about ready to spit you out of my mouth, but That doesn't mean I don't love you. I will continue to work with you. I will continue to counsel you and call you into this relationship where I am central. And what what gets you up in the morning and what gets you going through the day and what you dream about is Christ. You know, it's interesting what you daydream about tells you an awful lot about your priorities, doesn't it? And and I have to be honest with you, sometimes stuff I daydream about, it's not like it's perverse or wicked or gross. It's just that it's not spiritual at all. And this text is calling us back to lives that are completely obsessed with Jesus. And although he's deeply concerned where they are, he moves toward them to counsel them. And he says, I will continue to reprove you and I will continue to discipline you. So here's the best option repent. Get passionate about what really matters in life, be zealous. I have some friends that are completely zealous when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, you may like that or not like that here in Jersey. I'm just saying. Okay, Any Philadelphia Eagle fans in here? No. I, oh, we have? Okay. All right. All right. Glad you meant it. And it completely amazes me. They can tell you who the tackle was in the 1965 Philadelphia Eagles team, or whatever, you know, they know every, they know their stats and the guys, and I mean, I'm thinking to myself, that takes a lot of time to know all that stuff. You know, they wear the shirt all the time and a little hat. And uh, we had a neighbor that used to always put up a, um, um what do you call it? it, it, it when well, you fill it up with air, he filled it up with air. It was like a big Eagles guy. Every Sunday, man, it's just, I mean, just that's what he did. Good, good old Bill, but, but. Completely obsessed with the Philadelphia Eagles. At the end of the day, who cares? I I mean, I, I like it when they win too, of course. Okay, but really in light of eternity? Does it really matter what the stats were back in 1973? This text says it's so easy for us to become enamored with things, feel pretty good because things are going pretty well, And just kind of live in spiritual apathy because I'm worshiping at another shrine and it's producing enough in my life that I'm going to keep going the way I'm going. And Jesus says, I can't allow it. I love you too much for that. And it's not like I think no big deal. It's a big deal for me. It's I mean, it's a big deal. So uh, I call you. To experience true spiritual abundance, I will not stop moving toward you. Be zealous, repent. And then this next part is just incredible to me. Prioritize the wonder of intimacy with Christ. Look at verse 20. This is such an amazing verse to me. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We often use that with evangelism, and I don't think that's inappropriate, really. That's an implication. I think that's fine. However, this is directed to Christians. Have you ever had an experience with uh, one of your teenagers? And don't admit it, don't raise your hand. I'm just saying where they get upset with you and they go into their bedroom door and shut the door and lock it. And I think to myself, I own this place. I own that door handle. I got the key to unlock it. Like, who do you think? Oh, I'm, in my, I'm in my bedroom. Actually, it's my bedroom. and I'm just allowing you to use it for several years. I mean, that's really the truth. I mean, it's mine. You know what I mean? I I, I actually bought that. And, you know, sometimes when those things happen, you know, your first attitude is going like, oh, man. And and you go, Lord, now that's, now I shouldn't, I don't want to be like that. Right? And, And you go up to the door and you say, honey, it's dad. Could you open the door so we can talk? You may not be feeling that exactly. But you know what I'm saying? This is the ruler of the universe, the amen, the let it be, the one that can do anything. And he comes to the heart that is apathetic. Doug, would you let me in? It's been a long time since we've just fellowshiped together. Just talked, you and I. Just smiled and laughed and you shared your life and I shared my love with you. I want to come in and I want to dine with you and I want you to dine with me. It's not a one-way street. It is intimacy at the very deepest level of fellowship. The creator of the universe asks for me to open the door. Is that unbelievable to you? It's serious. My apathy is serious. But his love is unquestionable. As he counsels us and says, learn of me. I'm all you need. I will consistently pursue you because you're my people. I will knock. And knock, and knock, asking you to open the door. Is that not amazing? Think about how you feel with your kids sometimes. And this is the creator God that says, I knock at the door waiting for you to open it. Last thing. Remember the glory Christ will share with us in eternity. See what he says here in verse 21. To the one who is victorious. The one, and victorious just means you stay in the game. You know, that's what it means. You're just faithful in the game. Like Paul says, fight the good fight. Stay in the game. The one who is victorious I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Are you kidding me? You invite me into your presence for all eternity so I can rule and reign with you in the new heavens and the new earth not fully understanding even what all that entails, millennium and all that stuff? Yeah. People say, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if God loves me. Well, you're just not reading your Bible then. You're just, you're just not. I mean, it's just everywhere. And that doesn't make him some down onto earth, you can do whatever you want. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. He's the ruler and he's going to deal with us. It's all true. It's all true. A couple of years ago, I actually did a message on this back at the old church. I don't know if anybody ever remembers it. But I thought it would be kind of interesting just to look at the scene in Revelation 4, 5, and 7. Okay. And so um, what I didn't try to do is draw the picture of what that's going to look like. Because I have no idea. And there's all kinds of artists that have tried it. But I can do one of these things. You know, I can pull this thing off, you know. So I read Revelation 4. I put the throne of God where it needed to be, the seven spirits, the living beings, the elders. Okay, got it, got it. So just charted it out. Then went to chapter five and thought, oh, that gets a little bit fuller, you know? So you can see now you got the lamb right there in the middle. Of course, what would you expect? But now as you move out even farther, you have myriad of angels in the whole universe. Beautiful, isn't it? Incredible. Incredible. Think about it. I will be happy with the fact that I'm with God for all eternity. I'd be okay with a seat in the 700 level. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Sure and I went down to see some guy perform, I don't know, a couple months back. What was that guy's name? Poca- <laughs> what was it? Yeah. Not paparai, right? Pocachelli or whatever. And he's really good, really good guy. <laughs> You can see I'm very cultured, as you can see. (laughs) That Italian guy, you know, whatever. Who can really sing well. Okay, whatever. And they stuck us all the way up in the 700 level. I mean, I almost needed binoculars to hear this guy. Watch this guy. But he was really, really, really good. But I was just really happy to be there. Look, I'm happy to stick. You can stick Finkbinder up in the 700 level and I'm going to be doing really good. Do you know what Romans 7 tells me? Watch this. That's where the saints are right there. Do you see that right there? And this text says we're on It's So you're so close. You're on his throne for goodness sakes. You remember that quote that um, C.S. Lewis gives. I, I, I really like it. I'll just, I'll just read it to you real quick. He said, for so many Christians, we are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what, it, what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Don't you think a lot of us can live like that? We'll just sit making mud pies When what awaits us is the beauty of a holiday at the sea nearby. Or I've mentioned this here before I mentioned it up at camp, you know, that old little kids rhyme, pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to London to visit the queen. Pussycat, pussycat. What did you there? I frightened a little mouse under her chair. Really, You went to England? And you settled for chasing mice. And then I look at my own life. Things are going okay. It's okay chasing mice, you know, not too bad. When you stand in the presence of royalty, and it makes no sense. At the end of the day, Fluence is not all you need, He is all you need. And my prayer is that you will passionately pursue the one who pursues you because he alone is worthy and he alone is satisfying. Augustine was right. He said, God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, If you know him as your Lord, if you don't know him as your Lord and savior, you can get swept into the kingdom today. You can trust him. We would love it. He would love it even more. But if you know him, take a moment just to evaluate where am I spiritually? What am I trusting in? What do I daydream about? What gets me excited? This text calls us again and again, say, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. It's very practical. It's very real. It's very convicting. Forgive us for spiritual apathy that worships somewhere else at a shrine that we think will bring us hope, significance, and meaning. We are not self-sufficient, Lord. We are Christ-sufficient only. We need you. May we be obsessed with you. May we fellowship with you. May we come to you. May we walk with you. And for all eternity, we will be with you. Remind us of this great truth. And through your spirit who talks to us from the inside. May you change us day by day, moment by moment with all of its challenges into the people you want us to be. In Christ's name I pray, amen.
1: Let's sing, His be the victor's name. His be the
2: victor's name, who fought the fight alone. Triumphant saints, no honor claim; their conquest was His own. My weakness. By weakness and defeat he won the glorious crown. Trot all his foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. What though the vile accuser Sins that I have done, I know them well, and thousands more. My God, He knoweth not. He hell in hell. He hell in hell laid low. Made sin he sinned, through, bowed to the grave, destroyed its stone and death by dying slew. Bless, bless the conquer slain, slain by divine decree, who lived, who died, who lives again for thee my soul for thee what though the vile accuser roar of sins that i have done i know them well and thousands more my god he knoweth not my sin is cast into the sea of god's forgotten memory no more to haunt accusingly for christ has lived and died for me my sin is cast into the sea of god's forgotten memory no more to harm Accusingly For Christ has Lived and died For me What though the vile Accuser roar Of sins that I have done I know Them well And thousands more My God he it's not my God, he knoweth none. my God, he knoweth
1: none. Yes, Lord God, we thank you for this morning, that we can praise you and worship you and hear your word and be challenged away from apathy. I think it's very easy in America to become apathetic Christians, and I'm speaking to myself, it's certainly true. We have it pretty good. But God, you want more from us, not just to have it pretty good. we come face to face with the reality of what the future entails for us, how we will be around the throne of God, closer than the angels, closer than the elders, redeemed, forgiven Christians. God, may our lives this week turn away from apathy and turn towards joy, everlasting joy, thankfulness, and outpouring of love to others a searching for the truth and a speaking of the truth. May that be true of us this week, God. Thank you for the encouragement that we heard from Revelation this morning. May we take it with us as we go from this place now, God. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a nice week.